Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right on KPFT 90.1 FM Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. We have four women, state representative Jasmine Crockett, uh, Judge Lena Hidalgo, and uh, former secretary, our former senator Claire McCaskill, and of course, independent journalist Rebecca Azor. They lay it out on the line. These four women featured today cover various topics. Make it, they make it clear we are in good hands when real leaders lead. Anyhow, Texas Representative Jasmine Crockett, along with her Democratic caucus, left Texas to block Republicans' voter suppression bill SB1 and HB3. I have been watching freshman state representative Jasmine Crockett uh, for some time now. Her interviews are always fact-based and on point. The legislator knows the law and is never ever afraid to use it. She's been all over the media this week because, again, she has it on point. The head of Harris County's governing body, Judge Lena Hidalgo, visited the Kingwood Area Democrats, Humble Area Democrats, and other active area Democratic groups for our belated 4th of July celebration. Judge Lena Hidalgo raced down from her commitments at the Texas State Legislature in Austin, Texas, to be with these amalgamations of groups. Anyhow, many of our incumbent Democratic judges roamed the 150-plus attendees for ballot signatures. Grassroots in action is a beautiful thing, people. Grassroots in action is a beautiful thing. Former Senator Claire McCaskill appeared on MSNBC where she slammed DOP and evangelical ministers who would do well to reread the New Testament. She appropriately castigated the evangelical leaders. McCaskill reiterated that the reason their ICUs are at the highest levels is because of the failure of Republican and evangelical ministers. Folks, you're killing yourself because of ideology. Please get the vaccine. Please get the vaccine. Don't only save yourself, save your families, save your country. Rebecca Azor, like it or not, at the Benjamin Dixon and independent journalist discusses why alternative media is needed. Rebecca Azor visited Politics and Right to discuss her passion for independent political journalism, where she leverages her voice to bring political discourse in a manner that brings in the masses. She does not disappoint in describing herself and how she does what she does. Before we get started, though, please remember that to keep your community radio station KPFT in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tune in at 90.1 FM Houston or listen at kpft.org. Likewise, keep our 100,000-watt station that covers the entire Southeast Texas on air and help us get that backup generator for our tower by donating what you can afford 
at our website, kpft.org. Lastly, remember, you can get Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politicsdoneright or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My handle is Egberto Willis at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. We are very lucky today. We have a rising star out of Texas who's making a difference. The type of politician that we need out there, the type of politician that's going to make a difference. Representative, state representative, Jasmine Crockett out of Dallas, HD 100. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am doing great. Let me tell you, I really wanted to talk to you. I saw you on MSNBC and, and on Vice Network and a few other places where you were not only promoting uh, the vote, but taking command of letting folks know that we will be listened to. Tell me what you're doing out there in Dallas. Tell us a little bit about what's going on in the Texas Legi. Yeah, uh, the Texas layage is crazy uh, <laughs> in short. Right. So we saw a shift in this country with the election of Trump. Um, and I mistakenly um, and maybe I was just a little green, maybe a, a number of us were green, thought that if we could just rid ourselves of Trump, then the cancer that we saw infecting this country would go away. Um, but then January 6th happened and we were all told that this cancer may not go away too quickly. Sadly enough, um, the cancer has spread. It spread throughout uh, the various states and the state houses. Um, and so in the Texas House, there were two authors of these voting bills, right? The House author, as well as the Senate author um, of these bills, originally, the original authors, let me, let me be clear. Um, they both are attorneys. They both left the state of Texas in an attempt to overturn the election on Trump's behalf. Um, both of them tried to do this. When they were unsuccessful, they decided to come back to the Texas House and the Texas Senate in an effort to change the law so that hopefully, if they were ever in a situation like this in Texas, they could overturn the elections. I mean, it, it, you couldn't make this up. Like, it seems like a movie or a nightmare, uh, but it's our reality here in the state of Texas. So we were able to kill that bill during the regular session because they kind of just banked on us rolling over and taking it because they had the numbers, but we've always had the brains while they've had the brawn. Um, we killed the bill. They started walking back certain provisions such as overturning elections, such as uh, dealing with uh, our souls to the polls. Um, but they still wanted a voting bill, them and the governor. And this is nothing more than a power grab. You know, they see that their power is dissipating. They know that they don't appeal to people of color. They know that they're not trying to appeal to people of color. So they are going further right so that they can get those fringe Republicans to come out and support their policies. So as of now, it's easier to carry a gun in the state of Texas than it is to vote. You know, what is interesting is that uh, of all the people that I interview on this particular issue, you're the first one that I've actually started from the most dangerous part of this bill, which is overturning elections. You get it. Uh, most of the people don't under, you know, they're worried about social the poll is important. Yes. All these things are important, but they can all be overcome by grassroots movement to get people registered and get people out to the vote. But overturning the poll is a completely different thing. Now, what you all did, a whole group of you, 
took two planes and a, a few other methods to get to D.C. I understand that you went to a state where you were pretty sure they won't have a a, a friendly agreement with our governor to allow, <laughs> yeah, to allow your arrest and, and re, repatriation to Texas. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the governor doesn't have friends up here. Not that are in high places, let's say that. Um, but either way, uh, you know, Texas is Texas. I know that our governor feels like he runs the world, uh, but he has jurisdictional boundaries. And those boundaries uh, are around the state of Texas. Um, in fact, the governor keeps saying, I'll have them arrested. The governor doesn't have the power to do that either. Um, that's not what a governor does. Um, that's not his branch of government. That's not who uh, would do it. It would actually be Speaker Phelan. And it's not an actual arrest. It's a detention because we've not committed a crime. And the fact that he's framing this as if we're criminals, we're not criminals. OK, this is provided for in the Constitution. In fact, if the governor wanted to do a little bit of a history lesson, even though I know that we want to rewrite history in the state of Texas right about now, um, he would find that Abraham Lincoln um, actually jumped out of a window in order to break quorum before. And interestingly enough, Speaker Craddock, who is still in the House, he is the longest serving member currently serving in the House. Um, he's a previous speaker. He said that if it were him, he would have locked us in and we would have had to have jumped out the windows. Um, so the speaker is the one that really has the power to do what we call a call on the House. And that's based upon the rules that the members have in place um, that affords them an opportunity to do that. And, and so there's some legal um, gymnastics that I could go through, but I don't want to bore your listeners. Um, but long story short, um, we knew that so long as we were outside the state of Texas, no one would have jurisdiction to touch us. I was curious because I don't know the law. And uh, you guys kind of let it be known before you actually left Texas that you intended to leave Texas. And it kind of shocked me because I was wondering, <laughs> could they have stopped the plane? Could they have a uh, uh, could could he have come and pick enough of you up so that you could still maintain quorum? How does that work? Yeah. You know, so the press is the press. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what to say about that, but it definitely got out. Uh, I was on a, a different flight. I was on a commercial flight and uh, I was going to arrive before everyone else. And so I was already scheduled to do some national interviews um, prior to us kind of making this decision. So essentially what was going to happen or what I imagine would happen is that my colleagues would be in the air when I actually broke it, uh, you know, nationally. It did not happen that way. Um, it completely got leaked beforehand. I was only nervous about it being leaked beforehand because um, just like you, you know, there's no requisite that you are an attorney to be in a house. And I didn't want my colleagues to be fearful um, and potentially back out. Um, I knew that the governor couldn't do anything, but I am a practitioner of 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm confident in what the law says and who can do what and things like that. But I didn't want my colleagues to, to become nervous. Um, but they're soldiers. They, they are amazing. Um, and so even though it got out, um, they, you know, confidently made sure that they headed to, to get out of Dodge. And, and so we all arrived safely, thanks to God. 
Great. You guys are you you guys are my heroes. You know, we we out here at Indivisible and in several several organizations, we said, what are the Democrats in Texas gonna do? Are they really gonna fight for us? And, and I, I got a call a couple of days ago and said, they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. And I said, Yeah, I saw it, but why did they leak it so early? Anyhow, uh, <laughs> two days ago, you know, but interestingly, uh uh Abbott got on Fox News last night and he said, Well. I will call a special session month after month up and until the election. Uh, he probably likely won't do that. You know, Republicans like to go and have their caviar somewhere and their vacations, et cetera. But I mean, I, uh, what, what, what's your intent? Or I, I know you can't tell us everything or nor would I want you to tell us everything that you guys have planned. But are you all in or enough of you in for this for the long haul? We are in this for the long haul. Um, but let, let me be clear because the governor doesn't like to be clear. Um, the governor went too far when he defunded the legislature. So unless the Supreme Court says, nope, he wasn't allowed to do that, um, then funding for the legislative branch will run out come September 1. What does that mean? We can't function anyway. So he can call all the special sessions that he wants to, but you've got to have people that actually write the laws. We don't write the laws ourselves. We have uh, lawyers that actually draft this. Remember, I said you don't have to be a lawyer right. to be in the ledge. And so you basically say, hey, I want a bill that does this. And they draft it. They're the ones that do the research to figure out if there's a law already on the books, if there's some kind of conflict, how many sections of what codes will have to change. There is a body that does that. There's also uh, persons that participate in the committee process. We saw the committee hearings on Saturday. Those people will not be funded. Um, House administration will not be funded. Um, you, you don't have our parliamentarians who make the decisions. They call the balls and strikes. They will not be funded. And the last action, labor law doesn't allow you to work people and not pay them. So the governor has boxed himself in. So honestly, he can call as many special sessions as he wants to, but we will be unable to actually perform and convene unless the Supreme Court rules against him. So he's in a box right now. The Supreme Court can rule against us and say the governor was wrong, which I think will deal him a blow in his primary, um, which, you know, is why he's doing half of this stuff is because he's concerned about his primary or the Supreme Court can rule with him if they want to rule in a very partisan way. But what happens if we don't come back and pass a budget for him to sign? You can either exactly. pass a budget or redistrict it, right? Correct. And I don't want to redistrict. So I'm like, hey, you can let it run out then. And, and all of this chaos is caused by you because we gave you a budget. When he defunded the legislature, it wasn't a matter of just the House Democrats. It was everyone in the House. And the majority is Republican. He defunded the Senate. The Senate had nothing to do with this. The Senate did not walk out. They did not kill this bill. And the majority of the Senate is Republican as well. So, you know, he has literally shot himself in the foot. And I'm excited for the box that he's in. He's got to lose one way or another. And I don't really care which way he loses so long as he loses in some way. And people can start to lose the faith that they should be losing in him as a leader and recognize that he's not being honest with Texans. I think. Everyone should require honesty and transparency out of their elected officials. And that's what I've tried to do. But I can tell you for sure that is not what the governor has done. Well, you know, we can never assume that the intellect of the, uh, the Texas <laughs> legi is all that good. After all, they had they got 
three years of the Medicaid expansion to the Affordable Care Act for free and thereafter 10%, which would have increased their economy, increased their taxes, and still they've decided not to accept it. I don't know how smart that is. I mean, there are things one after the other that they do. Okay, look, let me ask you, end game. Uh, ultimately, there are more Republicans than uh, than Democrats, and that will be remaining that way until 2022, when you and others are going to bring in a whole lot of other colleagues. My question <laughs> to you then is, what's the end game? You you're probably not going to get all that you want. What's the minimum you think you you you'll you'll um, fight for? You know, uh, what I personally want is just federal oversight. Um, so that's why we are in D.C. You know, he wants to say, oh, we're vacationing, we're off. We're not Ted Cruz. <laughs> we didn't fly to Cancun <laughs> when our constituents needed us. Um, and my constituents have been very happy with me leaving the state. They were encouraging me to leave the state. Um, and, you know, we'll be doing a town hall later on tonight because we do our town halls every second Tuesday of the month, no matter where I am. I have done it from the floor. Um, I'll be doing it you know, on this corn break, I, I, I do it all the time. And I stay in touch with my constituents as well as my office. They are still doing constituent services. there in the office. Um, so the deal for me is historically, Texas has been found to be intentionally discriminatory every single time they do some wide sweeping uh, voter change or bill or whatever you want to call it. And so we don't have those guidelines in place right now so that we can call Texas out. So that's why Texas is like, hey, let's get Buck Wild because they finally took our oversight away. But historically, we continue to intentionally discriminate. And there's nothing different about this bill. When you have testimony that the majority of the people that used drive-through voting were minorities, and they say, well, you know what? We want to get rid of that. Well, we've had curbside forever. What's the difference, right? You don't want voting to be convenient for people of color. That's why you want one uh, drop box for mail-in ballots in a county the size of Harris County. That doesn't make sense unless you want to make sure it's difficult to access the ballot box. Um, my deal is start getting some real talking points. Start coming up with actual policies that people want to support instead of saying, you know what? We know we ain't on the right side of this, so let's just cut them out. That's not what democracy looks like. Democracy isn't supposed to be a thing so long as Republicans are in control. And then we want to maybe switch over to tyranny. Um, and that's essentially what we're seeing in the state of Texas. You know, the governor wants to hold a gun to our head and say, hey, give me everything I want or else. Well, I'm at the or else right now. Ken Paxton said that uh, had he not instituted the voter suppression techniques in Harris County, that Trump would not have won Texas. That says it all. Look, Thank you. Yeah. End of story. End of story. Now, um, Representative, please, uh, I ask this as the last question every time. Please tell me what I should have asked you that I didn't. And what would you like <laughs> to tell our audience? I'm going to say follow me on social media <laughs> to keep up with everything that's going on. So I'm just Jasmine for 100. Um, and make sure that you are in that J-A-S-M-I-N-E-F-O-R-1-0-0 on all social media platforms, including TikTok. Um, but you know what? I want to encourage people to be involved. Um, we are, this is supposed to be a government of the people. I work and I serve the people, not the governor, but the people. And so, you know, it's important that you make phone calls to your state house members and your senators. Don't just say, well, they're not in my party, so I'm not calling. No, they need to hear from you. 
They need to know that you're in their district. They need to know that you represent them or they represent you as well. So please reach out uh, to any elected officials on the state and the federal level. It's time to make a full court press so that we can do everything that we can to preserve democracy in this country. State Representative, Legislature, Jasmine Crockett, it's been my honor to speak to you. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Been Right. Thank you. And now let's listen to Lena Hidalgo when she visited with several Democratic groups and had a very inspiring message. Check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. It's wonderful sharing the stage with our new party chair. Let's give a hand up for, for Otis. Yeah, thank you guys. I, I just can't think of a of a better way to celebrate being all together again, being able to do this again after so many years of not not being able to pull it together. So the Rodriguez family, thank you. Thank you guys so much for this beautiful place. And Ellie and Art and John and so many people that, that made this come together. Thank you. Um, I know that it's been hard, a hard year with COVID, with the impacts of that. I know that it was hard to muster up the strength in the middle of COVID and everything that was going on to go out and work on politics and getting people out to vote and getting excited even as we dealt with everything we were facing. But you guys did that because you knew that so much of the challenges that we're facing came back to leadership, came back to politics. And you all held the line last year in the elections and it was incredible. And of course, we have more challenges with hurricane season and the attacks of the state legislature, but we're nothing if not tough. When we have these disasters, we dust ourselves off, we rebuild, we recover, we regroup and keep fighting. And people as strong and resilient as all of you deserve a strong and resilient government. I just came back from Austin. I was there all day today. And I was speaking to the legislators that are working day in, day out, that have the country watching as they work to protect our voting rights. We are fighting to the very end with that because we need to. It's about democracy. With your help, we were able to elect a commissioner's court. We were able to elect a clerk. Uh, and then eventually get all the work set up so that we had the largest turnout in 30 years. I'm on the news, I do an interview where people ask us about the innovations and I proudly talk about 24-hour voting and drive-through voting and tripling the number of voting locations and turnout for both parties. Just turnout because it's the right thing. I think of you and the work we've put in over the years and the work we put in 2018 to get to where we are today. And we are not going to give up on this. We're working with the folks in Austin. We've authorized the county attorney to file lawsuits. We've already authorized him on any voter suppression bill that passes. And we're going to go 
wall to continue promoting participation because that builds better government. That is what our country is built on. So promoting participation, promoting registration. And of course, that's not the only issue. We're working to be tough on crime, but also smart on crime. We can tackle what's going on without simply contributing to more mass incarceration. We're working hard to protect our environment, to think about climate change, even though it used to be a taboo word, we need to tackle it and our community is smart enough to both be the energy capital of the world and also realize that climate change is a reality. And of course, the work on voting, on early childhood education, smarter budgeting, they're coming after us because they know we're delivering, they know we're not about to stop. And so we have a tough fight. I'm up for re-election too next year, and I see a lot of my colleagues all around, and, and we're running together again, but all of you guys are the fighters. They don't know what's coming because they don't remember just how strong we are and what an incredible group of fighters and people we have behind us. But we know we're ready to go. We're ready to take them on. If they weren't so terribly scared, Harris County wouldn't be coming up in every hearing. I'll tell you all, as I was talking to legislators today from around the state, they kept saying, hey, Harris County keeps coming up. It's like we're all working for just you. And and it's because we're doing something right. And because they know the path to Texas is necessarily through this county. And the path to demonstrating what good government under democratic leadership looks like is right here in this county. Think of a more beautiful setting, a more beautiful group of people. Thank you guys all so much. Let's go get this win, get this state, build our strength. Congratulations on the work you've done. And thank you for your commitment, for your love, for your unity. I'm so excited to work alongside you again. Thank you. This is important, and I take this so very seriously. Please get vaccinated. Save yourself. Save your family. Save your state. Save your country. Save everyone around you. Don't be a spreader by being the, doing the wrong thing. Check out this message. The death march in red states has begun. Many are following their conservative brethren and not getting vaccines because somehow it is messing with your freedom. Somehow it is not all that bad. Well, you know, I want you to listen to Claire McCaskill because finally somebody is going to hit those who need to be hit, like the evangelicals and specifically the GOP in their state. Check this out and then let's go ahead and take it on the other side. Claire McCaskill, we careen into a domestic topic that you're familiar with, and that is the spike in uh, virus cases in your home state of Missouri. Does this necessarily have to do with its color on the political map? Is this anti-vaxxing come home to roost? It, it has. 
And it's um, the abject failure of the leadership, political leadership of the state, which is now dominated by the Republican Party, the governor, all of the statewide elected officials, except one who's a Democrat. Um, And this is happening. Brian, you know, this part of my state, you used to hang out there in your many years ago. But this we're talking about southwest Missouri. And I would say we talked a lot about pop stars and community leaders. I don't need to tell you that maybe the most important people that need to do some soul searching and read some of the New Testament are the evangelical ministers uh, that are sprinkled throughout the states that are having um, problems with accepting the vaccine that Trump not only developed, but he took. This was Trump's vaccine until he left office. And if we don't get beyond the political issue and get to the health and the safety issue, uh, we're going to we have more people in ICU units in the hospital now in Missouri than we had a year ago. And that is primarily because of the failure of the Republicans in this state to take it seriously. And I think the failure of evangelical ministers in rural Missouri, uh, that they are failing the people that come to them for spiritual guidance. They should be helping them talk to their doctors, find doctors and do the right thing and take the vaccine. It's it's heartbreaking to see how many people are in ICU units right now that don't need to be. Yes, it's a shame. And here's the headline, NPR. COVID cases in parts of Missouri and Arkansas surge to levels not seen since winter. In other words, these red states will be ensuring that the same kind of sickness we saw in hospitals, maybe not deaths because we've learned how to control the virus a little bit better, but trust me, the expense, the cost to, the, to people's lives is going to be horrendous. All in red states because we have a Republican Party, a conservative movement that is intent. Intent. You, you can't say it any better. They're intent of killing those in their party who don't think on their own. Because I can guarantee you. Every single one of those people on TV, from Tucker Carlson to Donald Trump to all these uh, evangelicals, I can evangelical leaders, I can guarantee you they're vaccinated, but they have ulterior motives. Maybe they want to get rid of those folks who they believe don't really matter. Think about that. What is in it for them? Tom Hartman yesterday said, or in one of his papers recently, he said, it's more than a death wish. He believes that this is, a, this is a cynical way to try to prevent the economy from really recovering and somehow then accusing it, accusing Biden's administration for the issue. I think it's deeper than that. I think this is severe, utter evil. We have... A wonderful guest today. <laughs> Rebecca Azer is the co-host of, uh, or let, let me let me say it better. Rebecca <laughs> is the host of Like It or Not Under <laughs> the Benjamin Dixon Show's platform. She is an insightful independent journalist with, ev- with a very informed opinion. And one of the reasons I wanted her here is because of said informed opinion with a passion. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Rebecca, how are you doing today? 
Thank you so much, Egberto. Um, I'm doing really, really good. Um, I, I'm happy to be here. You know, this is uh, this is funny because I've been invited to speak um, on a lot of people's platforms and I just don't do it much because I'm usually really busy. But I absolutely, you know, I love when we have family friends to the show and I think that you are one of them. So I was like, let's just go ahead and let's get right into it. So I I, I am your first. Uh, this is my first outside of um, our show when it comes to politics, speaking about politics. Um, so this is this is wonderful. I'm happy well, to be look, here. I am honored to have you here because let me tell you, from the time I started appearing ever so often on your show, I am just I am just enthralled with the passion that you guys bring to politics. And I think um, most importantly, it's a lot of fun. Like I watch you in the mornings and, you know, you're talking about just about everything that touches <laughs> the average person. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and that is and to, to, to be blunt. I am starting to learn uh, a few things because I, I tend to be sort of a straight Arab politics guy and that can get sort of boring and watching you guys is just, it, it's just pleasant in the morning. Let me just tell you that. No, thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Um, literally being on the show and meeting people like you guys, uh, it's great because we're all talking about the same thing, but we probably package it different, but there's right. nothing wrong with, you know, just being on the same, the same way. Right. And we all look different. We all speak different languages and things like that. But the message and what we're trying to do is all the same. And I love it because we have these different generations and usually there's like a, a division there. And the fact that we can have you on the show and you, I can see literally where you are with it and how you put down the information. Uh, and then you can actually like, you know, come on and see how we do it. And my thing is to do it in a fun manner and, uh, you know, and, and bring people on so they can have fun too. But at the same time, like also get educated by people like you. So this is why I think it's so good for both of our worlds to blend, but for us to accept each other at where we are, knowing that when we get whatever fight it is that we're fighting for, it's for all of us to be okay. It's for all of us to be good. So, And we all do it together. Now, let me, let me tell you, I want, uh, first of all, I want folks to make sure and always tune in to the Benjamin Dixon show. Tell us a little bit about uh, when your show's at and time and how they can get there. Because that's a, what, one of the things I want to start doing, Rebecca, is making sure that we all co-mingle and we let people know that there are different places to go to get different flavors of good actual information. So talk to me. Yes. Yeah, so, well, basically you can um, find our show first and foremost every morning, uh, Monday through Friday on uh, YouTube, the YouTube space, Facebook uh, space. We're on Twitter as well. Um, but YouTube is our uh, prominent format. Uh, and we we stream from there every morning at 830 a.m. We Eastern. have a DJ. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. Yes. So everybody gets a little like, oh, gosh, I got to wake up in the morning. But they still catch us. And you can also catch it um, after we uh, record as well, because we'll have it on live play for you. But um, 8.30 in the morning, uh, we'll have the DJ start you off for a little bit, you know, uh, and enjoy that. And then we get on and we'll just have a conversation a bit about, about our day and then we'll go right into some politics. Sometimes we'll have um, some guests on like yourself or some pol political guests or just different guests that come as experts on a subject matter that may we may be talking about um, so that we can push further the issue that we're talking about um, or just come from the mouth of the expert. Because uh, sometimes we're not experts 
words. So, I mean, we have our commentary and we do give you the ideas and the stories, but it's so it's so much better to have these uh, representatives sometimes, uh, these activists, um, just all across the board, these other media uh, members in the same space as us. So you guys can come and, and find that. And then we have news that's for the, for the culture, uh, like millennials like to say, like we like to say it's for the culture. Uh, sometimes where things are happening within the Black community that won't be covered on any other uh, mainstream media. Uh, and we, we like to talk about that and get to like different conversations about it. And uh, I like positive news. We do this thing called Black Joy because sometimes we can take you through a heavy, heavy start of the day when it comes to politics that could actually break you. And then so I like to end ending with something positive for people. It could be a quote, could be some videos, uh, just something fun for us to just have conversations about um, when it, and, and, and most yeah, first and most of all, it's always going to be related to black issues. So, well, let me let me tell you, I want I want the audience to know a little bit about Rebecca Azer. So give us a little give us a little bio about Rebecca, because, I mean, like I said, uh, when you listen to your commentary, you actually see that you are everybody's woman. In other words, you go out there and uh, people can feel that. The things you talk about are things that they are going to live through. I heard you talking yesterday when I was on your show about what you went through, some tribulations you went through at the job, et cetera. So tell me mm-hmm. a little about you first, and then I'm going to ask you a few questions about that as well. Sure thing. So um, me first, again, my name is Rebecca. <laughs> so um, I am Haitian. Um, I come from, you know, I'm a product of uh, immigrants uh, out of Haiti. And uh, I am a journalist, right? I started out, I went to Florida A&M University, uh, which is a predominantly, uh, it's a, it's a great, I call it the number one HBCU in the nation. Uh, it's, a, <laughs> it's a predominantly black school, a historical black university out in Tallahassee. And I had the blessing of going to that school where I uh, got a degree in broadcast journalism. And I used to do local news there. And I also did the local news for the school. I did the local news uh, for the local news station there. And I also did radio. Uh, coming out of there, uh, I left and went into, I moved to New York and I started working for like reality shows and working with them and fashion journalism. So I'm all across the board. And then when I got my master's degree, uh, I moved over to Atlanta uh, and I got my master's degree in what they call new media. What we see where media has changed and we were able to flip media in the social media space, doing like uh, using your Twitter or your or whatever to put out news or YouTube. Uh, so I got my master's degree in that. So I'm well-versed all across the the platforms when it comes to uh, media and journalism. And uh, so I partnered, I started, I partnered with Ben. We used to work at this company. That's when I got into politics. I was never really into politics. I was just used to, as a journalist, regurgitating the news, not really being able to have an opinion because how they frame it is, you know, you have to be unbiased at all times. Although I wasn't realizing that some of these companies that I was working for had picked a but chose a side, which made them biased. Uh, And sometimes I was complicit and I didn't understand at the time uh, with the stories that were being uh, told. And I I want to, I want to break you one second. Please remember your trend because you just made a very, very important statement that I want our audience to realize when Rebecca says that uh, she in, in old media, 
it was always spoken about, we have to be completely unbiased. In other words, this person says, the other said. But what she realized is that there was implicit bias in what was actually chosen as the story. So yes. that stuff about the media being unbiased was never true. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted people to understand that because it's a very important point you made there, my friend. Yeah. Yes. And and and, and I, I say that because it's something I had to learn as a journalist. And I have so many other journalist friends who had to learn that as well. Uh, some of them still being in the mainstream media and some of them having to go on and start their own. Uh, I was blessed with an opportunity that just fell in, in, in my hands after I graduated with um, my master's degree. I just applied for a job and uh, the uh, the company wanted me because I was Haitian and to them I was exotic. I talked about that on my show today. I was exotic and I could speak about the Trump issues. Uh, and so I, I, I was working for them, but little did I know I would meet Benjamin Dixon, uh, who is my co-host, Benjamin mm-hmm. Dixon, and him uh, to you know show me actually, hey, you know you have a voice in this politics thing, right? You know you don't have to just be straightforward talking about Trump or or having these conversations that don't mean anything to you. You know, you have because outside we'll have these conversations. He said, if you feel this way, change your stories to that so you can speak and have your opinions. And I started seeing the benefits of that. I started seeing that, oh, my goodness, I actually have a voice. I actually feel something. I'm actually learning about politics and I'm teaching people who aren't on the higher level or the lower level, but regular everyday people about politics. And it doesn't have to be worded in this way, or it doesn't have to be worded in that way. This is just like, Hey, I'm just like you. And this is how I feel about it. You know? And it, and, and it just really, from there, I just began to grow and began to grow. And I started changing the stories from just Donald Trump to black women in their healthcare, to uh, black people and their lack of knowledge when it comes to their local legislators. I started learning and teaching. And that was really what got me to uh, a place where I'm like, I want to stay in politics, but I also want to add some culture to it as as well. And I also got the chance and the opportunity to talk about Haiti. And that was the biggest thing for me coming into politics because I was able to tie the two together, American politics and Haitian politics, what's happening in Haiti, how America has had their foot on their necks uh, of of Haitian people, and you know, how it ties together, um, how I can reframe the narrative of how people view Haiti as the poorest country in the Western atmosphere. Like it's just hemisphere, but it's just been a, 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 a roller coaster ride, but it's been beneficial. And I don't think I want to leave politics, but I can also add the things that I love also within that, that realm too. So that's really been, uh, uh, my my um, my storyline when it comes to that. I know it's all over the place, but one no. thing about it is I stayed in I stayed in media, and um, I took a break from media and 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 had to go into corporate because I I spoke my mind after and working. You have for, to pay the bills. Yeah, I had to pay the bills, and then media doesn't always pay. Right, and you- working. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I want I, I, you were talking about Haiti. Right. And yeah. I, like one of the reasons, like I said, I love talking to you is because you always bring up these subjects uh, uh, and uh, that that covers issues today that I actually want to expand on. You brought up Haiti and you brought up the poverty in Haiti. Right. And people mm-hmm. always look down and say, oh, look at the poorest nation on in the hemisphere. And it's a black nation, not realizing that Haiti was the first black independent country that they revolted. They did what the founding fathers of America did. They yes. didn't like working uh, taxation without representation, labor mm-hmm. without representation, you know, exactly. and, and interestingly, 
What they never tell you is that one of the problems with Haiti is the blockade of the Americans and others because they were a free country and that, that the slaves, the former slaves had to pay. They had to pay France for their freedom. And they have been doing that for centuries. centuries. And that is, and henceforth, the poverty. It is yes. the same capitalist system screwing a country and taking away their were with all. So I, I, I just had to say that once you brought up Haiti and, yeah. I, it, you know, it, it, you know, people yeah. have to understand, oh, Haiti is not a basket case. Haiti was made an issue by the capitalists of around the world. So yeah. just thought I might say that. Anyway, sorry to, uh, to interrupt. Oh, that. no, I know. I know that. See, I, that's what I do. I might I might start talking and I'll have this point. I'll have this point. I'll take it everywhere. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a that's another look. That's a story for another day. Right. I'm glad that you pointed out all those things. And I want people to go and research those things and how they tie it together. American politics, American uh, leaders and how they've had their foot on the neck of Haiti and how we've been having to pay France for our entire existence of being free after we fought for our freedom against our oppressors. But go ahead and Google that. It's a simple Google search and you can find it. Um, <laughs> but um, yes, um, working in politics, uh, I, I actually, me and Ben grew something and we decided to break away and do something even bigger, uh, working with the well-known activist. We always do this, but the, he shall not be named. But we worked with a really well-known activist, huge activist, and we grew something there. And then I realized that not this is when Ben started teaching me not all um, kin folk is skin folk. That's what he said. Or not all skin folk is kin folk. Just because they say they're an activist, they're fighting for it. Then you get right with these people and you're excited to work with them and they're not doing the work. So um, I had to break away from that because I called him out. I called that particular activist out and he's uh, very popular. And I called him out. I said, hey, this is not you're not doing the work that you said you're doing. Uh, you you know, you're stealing, you're, you're just, you're, you're stealing content. You're doing all of this. There's nothing being done. Um, ben is the one that's doing all of the work. Ben is the one that's pushing these things and actually wants to do it with his heart. And, um, you know, because I spoke out about it, uh, you know, I, they, it was a hard situation because now I felt like I was blackballed in the community. Little old me, spoke up against a huge activist and uh, it was like, uh, now I'm so mentally stressed. I had to take a break. So I went into the corporate world. I said, I'm just going to take a year off. I'm going to go into corporate. Me going into corporate uh, and I can't name my business. I would love to name the corporation that I work with. <laughs> but people, if people go down my timeline, they'll put two and two together <laughs> and realize. But me working in corporate uh, and uh, I thought it would be great just to sit down for a little bit, take a breather as I figure out, um, you know, my, my way back into politics. And it honestly was a struggle because um, I don't like being told what to do in that way, sitting in a cubicle farm, uh, all of that. I just started realizing and unpacking as I worked in the corporate environment. Wow, this is a jail cell. This is like people are in cubicle farms. People are sitting here and it's that you're doing the same thing every day. And I was like, I don't know if I could stay here and do this, but how they wanted to keep me and how they kept throwing uh, themselves at us to, to make us stay is, hey, Look at the benefits you have. And I can't deny the benefits are amazing for an American to have ins insurance is a big deal. 
And I, I absolutely needed insurance, especially with like my pre-existing conditions with me uh, having to go to the doctors and me having surgery uh, to have like uh, cancerous cells removed. You know, it's expensive. It's very expensive. So them throwing that at me, I'm like, oh, OK, I get to stay. But then I keep looking around at all the people and I'm like, these people don't even have service on their cell phones to call their kids. And me being me working in this environment, like I challenge the managers and there's roundtable meetings and they're like, oh, they got Rebecca in the room. And I remember uh, my manager saying, he's not even the manager, he's a supervisor. He says, uh, hey guys, I know you guys feel robotic, but you'll be our robots and that's okay. And I was like, oh, hold on now. Oh, wait, hold on. Wait a second. Excuse me. Uh, Are you calling the people here robots and saying that they're supposed to feel like just like they have no lives, no ambition, no anything, but they have to be robots and basically slaves for you guys. Is that what we're saying? And he said, yes. He looked at me and said, yes. Rebecca, that is you. you, (laughs) uh, Again, you come into the narrative that not only what I talk about, but what I write about. Let me tell uh, you something, okay? Uh, it's interesting that you, I, I said, and you remember when black people used to be slaves? Mm-hmm. They had the chains on them or the whips. And I said, you know, America no longer has just black slaves. America has black, white, and every other slaves. Because what you just uh, talked about with the capitalist structure that you worked in is oh, nothing yeah. more than antiseptic slavery. Uh, where most of the people, when you speak against that, the chains are in their minds. It's no longer on their risk it's mm-hmm. the chains in the mind yes. and what what you what you do with your show is unchain the minds mm-hmm. and and that is what is so important about having your presence there yeah there are too many of us who just abide too mm-hmm. many of us who just co- uh, acquiesce to 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 the system and that's why it has lasted and that is why I'm so impassioned with meeting folks like yourself and Ben and others that are out there educating other people, because that is how we are going to make a difference, not just for a few people, but as you merge these audiences and you go out there, you're talking about people listening and they're saying, wait a minute, Rebecca is a young woman just like me. Maybe I can be inspired yeah. by her. Yeah, yeah. And Egberto, like, let me tell you something. I used to be somebody who had a chain mind. That's something that I was like, that's a a systemic thing. You don't even know that you're just going through every system from when you get to school, when you're being educated and, you know, you're just going through. You don't even know that this thing is just naturally coming to you. I thought you were supposed to look a certain kind of way, talk a certain kind of way. At one point I used to get, oh, you talk so well for a black person. And then I would tell them that I'm Haitian. They're like, oh, wow. And you speak another language? You, you, wow. You know, it was just all of that. And I thought, wow, I'm not normal. I have to, I, I can't be myself uh, when I go into school. My father used to tell us, don't you speak, don't you go there and speak Creole because you know how they're going to do you. They're going to put you in Esau. They're going to put you in, the, in, in those programs where it's for kids who don't speak English. Uh, you know, things like that. They're going to cap you. And I went through the system doing that. Like they would do that to me. And then finally, when I, I got to college, it wasn't until I got to the HBCU uh, that I was taught to break free from that mindset. They made us read a book uh, called uh, The Lies My Teacher Told Me, where I actually was taught about, um, you know, who actually, how 
Columbus didn't found anything. He didn't see, he didn't, there was nothing that that man founded, but we celebrated him every year in our education system. And, you know, so for me to break free of that and then for me to go into the media space and have to break free of how I was taught to be in a media space as well. uh, I wanted to show people that as like, Hey, you can be unchanged. You can still do the work and still be okay. That doesn't matter how it's packaged. Uh, If you're doing it, you know, if you're doing the right thing, it'll all fall together. It'll all come in line. And it's going to be for some people considered radical. It's it's not not radical radical. at all. It's not (laughs) radical. It's not racial. It is real. One of the reasons that people want don't want to um, talk about critical race theory uh, or or talk about race in general in schools is that uh, as the as young people, irrespective of race, realize what the the genesis of this country was all about. The genesis of a lot of countries are all about. It was about dominion. It was about patriarchy. It was about supremacy. And all these, when people start to figure that out, the good kids, I don't care who you are, all these kids around are going to say, we don't want that. We are all, you know, we're all the same. We're all, and, and that is the biggest fear that these guys have. And that's the reason why they don't want to teach critical race theory, because suddenly all those white kids in school are going to say, all the things that my parents used to tell me is really crap. All the things that I learned in history was really crap. And uh, and I I am supposed to revere people that considered me three-fifths of a person. I am supposed to revere people who said, I'm supposed to call these people great that Mm. said, I'm going to make the whole Western hemisphere with people with melanin be less. I'm supposed to revere that. I am supposed to revere that, oh, well, you know, uh, Columbus discovered America. I'm supposed to revere that somehow it was great to, throw Indians off their land, sign a treaty. I'm supposed to say that we are, we follow the law when we sign a contract with the Sioux Indians. And when we find gold on the black mountains, we kick them off the the land. Mm -hmm. We, if we are truthful, and this is not anything against any individual person, this is against a system. And if we don't learn these things, we are not empowered. And again, uh, you Ben and your cabal. I, I love I love DJ Triple X. Love DJ Triple X. He keeps me going, man. But but let me tell you, that is that is what we do. So look, Rebecca, I wanted you on. I wanted your spunk. I wanted your spirit. I wanted to make sure that people know who you guys are. I mm-hmm. ask one question at the end of every interview that I do, and I say, tell me something that I should have asked you that I didn't. Um, oh, this is such a good question. Um Let's see. Mm. Well, this is a simple one. Uh, this is because it's like it, it's, it follows the get to know me. Uh, what are other talents that I do or have beyond media? Right. Okay. Um, I I sing for a Haitian band. Uh, really? Yes. I sing for a Haitian band uh, called 127, uh, formerly of the the main singer for the group is formerly of the big group called Zen, um, Z-I-N, where the main artist there was Alan Cave, who was an internationally renowned artist from Haiti, uh, still living in Haiti. Uh, And so definitely I'm happy to be, you know, a part of that where I can enjoy my Haitian culture. I also... I also sing. So I also sing and dance. So that's my thing. That's how I keep my Haitian culture alive. And the music is a big, 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 
big part of Haitian culture. And it um, it's influenced things like Zouk in um, the Ivory Coast, in Brazil, like things like that. So, yeah, that's that's what I that, that's what I do outside of um, media. And, and outside of working for corporate. <laughs> uh, well, I, I but you know what? Pretty soon when 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 folks realize that uh, like uh, like it or not is deserving of patrons through the gazoo, just like we here at Politics Done Right are trying to get patrons. Oh, through yeah. the gazoo. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> people are going to start. Uh, I think I, I think in the long run, we all get the support that that we need to keep these types of platforms going. And then you're going to be able to say Corporación Adios. Yes, Corporación Adios. But look, Rebecca Azer, co-host of Like It or Not. Look, (laughs) it's been my pleasure to have you on board. Uh, Thank you so kindly for being with us. And we are going to talk again because you know what? There are certain subjects that are going to come up that I'm going to say I got to get you on to put some context on that subject. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you so much, Egberto, for having me. And you know I can get to talking. So, you know, that like, would you come on our show? You, uh, I come on yours. And we just get the conversations going. Thank you, you so much. You got that right. Thank you so <laughs> kindly. All right. You have a good day. Again, please remember to keep your community radio station, KPFT, in your minds. Talk about it. Tell your friends to tune in to 90.1 FM Houston or listen at kpft.org. Keep us on air by donating what you can afford at our website, kpft.org. Remember to put politics done right as that trigger that got you donating to the station. Once again, remember, you can get politics done right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook, live at Facebook dot com slash politics done right or on youtube live at politics done right dot com slash youtube please do not forget to follow me on twitter for updates my handle is at egberto willis at e-g-b-e-r-t-o-w-i-l-l-i-e-s well folks we've reached the end of the program my name is egberto willis this is politics done right and you know how i end this baby i am what out Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. 